What up, y'all? I am Josh So Focused. I'm French the Bro Host, and we would like to welcome you to the Mixtape Podcast. The Mixtape Podcast. This is episode 41. And this is a weekly podcast where we cover the most intriguing Knicks news of the week. And if you want to find us on our socials, you can check us out first on Twitter at the Take. Then check out YouTube and search Knicks Take Videos. And you can find us on Instagram at The Knicks Take. Last, Facebook, you can find us at Knicks Take Media. So, this week, I am almost 100% with my hand, y'all. Almost ready to do whatever I need to do. Push-ups, curl-ups. You know, all kinds of things with my hand that I, you know, lift everything, lift more than 10 pounds. So that that is my weekly update on my broken hand. But I also decided that I'm going to do a six mile walk. And yeah, that didn't ended up not going so well because now my foot hurts. So, <laughs> so that that is me or my week. French, how are you doing? Well, it's been a while since. I gave an update. I've been going for like the last two weeks. So last weekend, I wasn't on the episode. I was actually out in Philly for the weekend. Me and Jaya went on a little vacation and took a drive out to Philly. I felt like I was on a six-mile walk out there because Saturday, I checked my steps. I took 15,000 steps. I'm like, that's more than double what I did all week. But... <laughs> Outside of that, this last week, I ain't really have nothing going on outside of a, a, a little minor job interview I had yesterday. Um, okay, okay. Nothing too crazy. Just, you know, testing the waters out there, seeing seeing what my my value's at. But all right, all right. There's been a lot, of, a lot of things to cover with the Knicks in the last two weeks for sure, though. It's a whole lot to talk about. As it is every week. Mm-hmm. So... Well, let's go over what we did last last episode when you were not here, French. Mm-hmm. So what did I do? You covered the two Philly losses and the heartbreaker in Phoenix after Cam Johnson hit the game winner out in Phoenix. So so that I, I yeah. That 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 one hurt. And then I didn't have you to kind of <laughs> bounce my opinions off of in the episode. So when I did the episode afterward, I listened back. I was like, there's a couple of things that I kind of wanted to really get into. And I'll, there's some things that I wanted to kind of talk to you about. I didn't even, I don't even think I mentioned how after that Phoenix Suns loss, mm-hmm. how uh, demoralized you could see like how demoralized the entire team was. And after that shot went in, you could see quickly just bend over in like, he was just he was like done like i'm i i'm done and then i i I didn't even notice this until like hearing other people talk about it 
Alec Burks was still on the court. He was just like frozen, just looking, staring out into space, like, <laughs> like that. Like, and when you watch that, if you're really a fan of this team, I don't know how you could be like, yo, I hope they lose every game for the rest of the season. Like, I I don't know how you could how you could feel like that. You know, as a, as a Knicks fan, I understand the want the want and the desire to tank, but like to see quickly just mad like like he was getting consoled and like yeah you don't want to see that you know they had a seven game losing streak and if you like the team you got to like the players on the team and you don't want to see the players on this team go through that i i do (laughs) i want i want them to feel that because that's what that's what's going to motivate them Motivate them to to get better, to to go into the offseason and work on all the things to prevent that feeling from ever happening again. Because you should be winning the games that you should be winning. Devin Booker, Chris Paul, both out. You're supposed to win that game. And and they had a chance to win that game. They were supposed to. And they were supposed to win that game, and they didn't. I feel that way about some players don't feel that way about quickly i don't feel that way about rj i don't feel that way about deuce mcbride don't feel that way about quentin grimes i was trying to figure out whether i felt that way about obi or not i don't think i feel that way about obi i don't think i want to see obi go through a losing streak and and feel feel the way that he feels Alec Burks is what he is. Evan Fournier is what he is. So the losses, wins, those things don't matter for those guys. Why not? Because Alec Burks is going to be Alec Burks, no matter if he goes through a winning streak or a losing streak. And you just kind of have to... You have to get more so about the guys you named before Alec Burks. Well, quickly is going to work on his game regardless. RJ is going to work on his game regardless. Well, RJ is... Whether he has a winning season with this team, whether he has a losing season with this team, R.J. Barrett is going to work on his game because his goal is to be a champion and to be one of the best players in the NBA. He's going to work on his game. He's go- he, he just is. He's going to work on his game, and he doesn't need to go through a losing streak to, to, to do that. He's not going to get spoiled with wins. <laughs> trust me, he's not going to get spoiled with wins. He, trust me. You can even we can even point to last season. They made it to the playoffs but beyond anybody's expectations. And then they got knocked out in the first round. That pushed RJ Barrett to work on his game and now he's an even better player than he was last season. Quickly same thing. Quickly is a much better player this year than he was last year and they succeeded last year. So why do I want to see him lose? And why would I think that that's going to drive him to get better? He's going to be, he's driven regardless. Certain players do need that. Certain players do need to, 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 I think Cam Reddish needs that. Cam Reddish needs to, to, to be on this team while they're in this losing streak and try to work on his game to be better. Because I don't think it's his, I don't think, I don't think it's his goal to like, I don't think he's an Uber worker the way that RJ Barrett is. You know what I mean? He I don't think he's a he's a guy who's gonna always work on his game. He's always in the gym. He's first one in, last one out. Sounds I, like he is though. It I does sound like he is. Saying. It does sound like he is, but 
I didn't follow him in Atlanta, and I would have to think that if he was that kind of player, Atlanta would have kept him instead of giving him away for Kevin Knox and a pseudo first-round pick. So, like, that's the reason why R.J. Barrett has been given all the chances that he's been given, because he's that kind of worker. But I'm not saying that I want to see them lose to get motivation to work. I'm saying I want the losses like that to affect them the way that it clearly affected them. I want well, that then, type of loss. Then I'm responding to, <laughs> then I'm responding to a different statement to which, yeah, I agree with you. Like, yeah, I want them to feel like that. I want them to, and this team, def, this team as a whole, for the most part, I can say that they are that way. And they hate losing. That's what I want to see. There are certain players on this team that I feel like hate losing, but it doesn't affect them the way that it affects quickly, the way that it affected Burks, the way that it affects RJ, the way that it affects Mitch. Like, like that, that, like, I think that they don't like losing. These guys hate losing. And that's how I want them to be. That Mitchell Robinson gave that quote. And we're gonna get into it. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, this was this is for we're gonna get into it after we talk about the Clippers game. But he had a quote that is like, "Yeah, I, I'm I feel you, Mitch. I feel you." But uh, we already off to our first tangent. I, I also wanted to talk about with you, before, you know, when you came on the pod, but you ended up not coming on. You were, throughout the week, you were sending me a lot of text messages talking about R.J. Barrett. Mm-hmm. He 23 shots, 23 points. R.J. Barrett shooting crazy inefficient. Crickets, crickets. And I didn't really give you a lot of time because I felt like that was a conversation that we would have on the pod. And then we ended up not having it on the pod. You remember what you said back to me? What did I say? He's still having a good game. He is. And you remember why I brought it up, right? Why? Because on the last episode that I was on, I was saying how Julius Randle... Yeah, he didn't have the greatest shooting night, but he still did a lot of things very well. He yeah. was still, I'm pretty sure he was like one assist away from like a triple-double or something like that that game. He was playing defense. He just had two turnovers in the in the fourth quarter that cost us the game. Mm-hmm. And people were piling on him. You were saying he was the reason we lost. I'm like, dog. When R.J. Barrett have a game where he shoots inefficient like that, we ain't never run into the stat sheet to point it out like that. But you was like, but R.J. Barrett's not inefficient like that. You remember you said that? I don't remember saying that, but I will say this. There is clearly a difference between an R.J. Barrett inefficient shooting night and a Julius Randle inefficient shooting night. And... That's part. That's one of the things that I kind of wanted to get into with the last pod, and I want to get into with this pod, because R.J. Barrett's efficiency has been up and down, and mostly down, since he's become the, if not the leader, one B or one A to Julius Randle. And even though he's been inefficient, the way that he plays is just infectious on this team. And it's infectious because he's not, because his shot selection gives opportunities to a guy like Mitchell Robinson, gives opportunities to 
quickly, gives opportunities to Alec Burke, gives opportunities to Evan Fournier. Whereas with Julius Randle, usually if it's not Evan Fournier two main game, this it's, it's not really. It, no, it is. You, you can you you can see it by. It's it's not a coincidence that when R.J. Barrett's dominance, you know, his his step up into this game, it's not a coincidence that when he started stepping up, Mitchell Robinson's game started improving. Mitchell Robinson started being the guy that you have to look at too. It's not a coincidence. Whereas Julius Randle, he had games throughout the year where he might have played well, he might have played bad, he shot efficiently, shot inefficiently, but usually it's just Julius that that gets the 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 benefit of that. Sometimes RJ Barrett is able to eat off of the attention that he brings, but it's not it's not as apparent. It's kind of like he gets it as a result of Julius Randle gets the attention. RJ Barrett moves the offense to make sure that we get the best shot possible. Even on his misses, when he has a miss, he makes sure to make he makes sure that the big on the other team is contesting his shot. And guess what that does? It allows Mitchell Robinson to get the rebound and get the putback. When Julius Randle is doing his one-on-one post-up, post-man game, Mitchell Robinson doesn't have that same opportunity, which is why I'm saying what I'm saying. It's not it's not the same thing because a lot of Julius Randle's good games, it usually has to do with his shot dropping. And yeah, that trickles down to the offense in a way. But R.J. Barrett, forces the defense to bend and move and that is a purposeful way to improve the mem- other members on the, on the floor everything you just said about rj you can <laughs> say the exact same thing about julius Randle. the defense does bend and move it does bend and move what for julius, julius yes it does and it's yes. not only evan fournier who benefits off of julius Randle's playmaking he at least three or four times a game goes into a post move and draws the attention, gets a double team and does a cross court pass to a wide open three. Let me ask you a question. He, and he does drive to the paint and feeds Mitch whenever yeah, the, the yeah, center rolls over. Like he does all the same. He thing does. That it's just, does. it's not, it's not consistent. And let me ask you a question. Most he of the times assist on the team. Yes, he does. Most of the time when, when Julius Randle is looking for his own shot, how does he get that? Does he, he call for a pick? Would get a he would he would do a pick to mm-hmm. get a switch, get a mismatch on the right mm-hmm. or left side, get a call for the ball in the post, mm-hmm. and that's how he would go and get his shot. How long would he hold the ball before he put before he sends the shot up? So RJ doesn't hold the ball long. I'm not saying he does. I'm not saying he doesn't. This is what I'm saying. When RJ holds the ball, it's usually him pulling the ball back out so that he can have space to have a runway to get to the basket. When Julius Randle holds the ball, it's him sizing the the defense up, which the other the other defenders they have the opportunity now to look at to to make sure they know what they have to do, and that does not lead to quality shots. When RJ Barrett does it, it's it's quick. It's all right. I can't drive right now. Let me pull it back out. And then now his defender has to pull up. Now everybody else has to react. Now he has to drive. Now everybody has to react to RJ. And then he ha- he yes, they do the same things, but the but the process is different. I'm not saying that the team doesn't benefit from Julius Randle. I already said RJ Barrett has benefited from Julius Randle offensively, but 
just the process in which RJ does what he does, it just makes the entire offense look so much better, especially especially when we're talking half-court sets. When Julius Randle, sometimes he pushes the pace in transition, sometimes it looks good, but he doesn't do it all the time. RJ Barrett seems to always, at least as his first option, try to push the pace, and then if it doesn't seem like anything's going, all right, he'll slow it down. But it's just a difference in process for me. And but and the process with RJ doing what he does, it's a subtle difference. You're not going to see it. I'm not saying that – and let me just say this because you started off with me, with how I was criticizing Julius Randle. Julius Randle has played superbly over the last two weeks. <laughs> like, right? You can't give RJ I all his credit and ignore what Julius is doing too. Absolutely not. Julius Randle has turned a leaf and we could say like two podcasts ago when I was saying whatever I was saying, he probably turned a leaf before then. The problem that I had with Julius Randle is that it took him how long to get there. The only thing that stopped him from getting there was himself. It wasn't anything with the coach. It wasn't anything with, you know, it, it was him. Right, and it took him more than half of a season to figure it out. I'm not going to be mad, but right? I'd rather you figure that out. Rather, Abs- than I'm not mad that he figured it out. I'm not mad that he figured it out. I'm mad at that. I'm mad that everything that he could have been doing because of, it was effort. Really, it, it's just about effort, and, and you have to you have to take less than a half a season. I'm not, I don't mad. I'm not mad that okay for a couple weeks, a month, two months. You're 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 still not figuring it out, but it was more than that. And at a certain point, it's like if it, if it's taking you that long to figure it out, to that you need to just as the leader of this team put effort into the game of basketball. I'm just I'm sorry. I'm not. I, your your passes have all the passes that you've earned in year two are now gone in year three. And I don't think that there's anything that he can really do to change my mind at this point. Yes. He's played superbly. Yes. He's had great games. Yes. He's been one of our best players over the past two, three, four weeks. I'll give him all of those kudos. And at the same time, I still would like to see what the Knicks can get for him in the off season. And that's because I think RJ Barrett does what Julius Randle does in a way that's better for this team. Whereas Julius Randle, he hasn't, he doesn't. I think he can get there. I just, I just don't want him to, to figure it out on this team when we have so many young guys. You, unless you got something else to say. Sorry, go ahead. In the scenario where teams don't offer significant value for his to trade for him you still would want to move on from Randall it depends on on what we're talking about what significant if you say not significant value if we're getting if we're shedding years on like if we have a guy for a year it's a expiring contract or whatever and we're also able to bring in somebody else separate of this deal. We're able to bring somebody else who is a superstar or of just a very good player who can fill in the role of two, of two, two man to RJ Barrett or one man. 
I would be fine with that. But that in and of that deal in of itself, no, I wouldn't be happy with that. But it also depends on everything else that's go that goes around on this team. I'm 100% comfortable with saying just give RJ Barrett the team, do something else with Julius Randle, don't give him away for peanuts, but you have to figure something out. You have to figure something out because I don't see this team going the distance with Julius Randle as it's 1A, 1B, or number two option because he hasn't figured it out yet, and I don't want him to figure it out here in New York because I don't think he can figure it out here in New York. The pressure is just too much for him. He needs to have figured it out before he came here. No, I feel like if he does figure it out, then that changes a lot of things for this franchise. Absolutely, but I, I don't think it's possible here. And we'll get into we'll get into why we'll later though. So I kind of hinted at this with the first point. Is it time to give up on the play-ins? You say. It sounds like you said, yeah, it's time to give up on the play-ins. I'm torn. Like okay, we we don't have if 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 we're grinding it out to the play-ins on the backs of our young players. You cannot be mad at that. Okay. So basically like that's where we're where we're headed. So basically we're asking ourselves before the week started. What are my chances? And the answer not was good. <laughs> not good. We've all seven in a row. Not less than twenty games left in the season. And then we go to LA and face the Los Angeles Clippers. And we got off to an early lead behind strong performances from everybody except for Julius Randle. He finished that he finished his game with less with less than 20 points and shot extremely poor, poorly. Everyone else though played very well. We held the lead for a little bit. Got into halftime. I was still up. We were up by 26 points at a certain point. Then, as we have all come to know and expect, third quarter shenanigans. Another third quarter of doom. Lead went from 26 points to 12. Everyone is expecting the worst at this point. Everyone was expecting another blown 20-point lead. It was in the front of everybody's mind. Everybody was like, here we go again. Same thing that happened in Phoenix. Same thing that happened every time we go up by 20 points. And then the beginning of the fourth quarter happened. What happened at the beginning of the fourth? R.J. Barrett said, yo, rounded up the troops. Mm -hmm. Who are the troops? Deuce McBride, Cam Reddish, Emmanuel Quickly, Jericho, Break the walls down, Sims. Strong, strong leadership from R.J. Barrett. This is another point as to why I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm good on Randall. Because he, Randall just doesn't do that. I'm not saying he's never done it. I'm not saying he's never done it. But the fact that this game... This game where we're up, we already on a seven game losing streak. Everybody wants so desperately to win. And the 
second youngest player on the in on the team rallies the troops says yo let's put this away we're up double digits what we do here is going to define the win and what happened seven minute strip stretch where the clippers only scored two field goals in the fourth quarter baby Knicks took back control of the game the Knicks got their first win since february 10th and it's all due to the names that i named rj barrett deuce mcbride cam reddish emmanuel quickly jericho sims they they never had it to come out once they, they only came out when when what the bench warmers came out ryan ryan archidiacono like we like that was it all right Knicks finally got the monkey off their back cam reddish has his best game as the Knicks so far scoring 17 points 15 of them coming in the fourth quarter and another strong night strong score at night from Emmanuel quickly 21 points 10 rebounds and six assists how did you feel about this game French going into this game I felt like we had a good chance of winning because when you're on a losing streak like this on the road it's like you get to the point where you're desperate and you want to win and I felt like the Clippers were a good matchup for the Knicks because I if I'm not mistaken, I feel like we beat them the last time we matched up. Yes. In LA. And Julius Randle just didn't look like he had anyone who was a good matchup for him. They don't have uh Montrez Harrell anymore. And he was a big matchup nightmare for, for, for uh, Mitchell Robinson. So I'm thinking like there's no Paul George, there's no Kawhi still. We have uh, R.J. Barrett, who's been hot since January, since the All-Star break, he's been going crazy scoring-wise, and he's starting to, like, control the game more so as a number one option. And there's not many options on L.A. who can stop him, yet, let alone stop Julius Randle, but it looked like they did stop him because he only finished this game with, what, 10 points and eight rebounds and four assists? Correct. And... The young guys are the ones who came and ended up winning this game, which yeah. surprised me. I didn't really think Deuce would have an impact as much as he did because yeah. I knew he his, his defense would set the tone and it would stop a lot of the point of attack play from the, from the point guard on, the, on, on LA, but it just seemed like his energy just, breathed life into the Knicks and we were getting stop after stops quickly was heating up got 10 rebounds we mm -hmm. this is first double double of his career ain't it yes 21 and 10 rebounds six assists people got everybody saying he's not a point guard I I, I feel like he's a point guard it's, he's it's, definitely he's definitely improved his playmaking even from four weeks ago his playmaking is is so much better so he he definitely now if you want to call him a point guard or a potential point guard or starting point guard material now you have the evidence you have you have something there to actually stand on when you say that because you know I, he just wasn't good at it but now he's now we have to kind of especially over the last you know couple of weeks we have to question all right is there a reason why he can't be the starting point guard and since he's 
just he's just doing so well being the backup point guard on this team, getting the assists and making the 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 effortless passes and things like that. And he's a good defender. I didn't, I didn't give RJ Barrett enough of it, of Roses. He was the leading scorer also, 24 points. He was a plus 36 on the night, and 8 for 18 from the field, 1 for 2 from 3. He him and Quickly were the only 20-point scorers on the Knicks in this victory. Another thing, Cam mm. boy, boy, what he does nobody on his roster is capable of. Nobody because he makes it look just so effortless and easy, easy when he was just getting to the to the paint on Nick Batum, mm-hmm. just laying it up with no contest. Like he's just freakishly long, and he's only six eight. Like he got his long strides, and he has a a smooth handle, a smooth shot. He can score in the mid range, athletic. And he plays the passing lanes on defense and can be a really good threat defensively if he was to just be more patient and consistent. Mm. And if he used to get a little more strength. And I feel like this offseason is going to be the one that determines what his career is going to be. Because he's been in the NBA for a few years. He's been ending every year for the most part, off an injury. He hasn't been able to get consistent minutes in Atlanta or here in New York so far. Next year, I'm hoping that there's going to be an opening in the roster that frees up a rotation spot for him. I think Tibbs likes Cam, honestly. I think he likes everybody. I think I don't think that there's a player on this team he doesn't like, and that's... I think that's that's the problem for a lot of people when they when they see his, you know his rotations they think he doesn't like the kids. It's not that he doesn't like the kids, it's just that he trusts veterans more. And it's and it, it, for a good reason. It, you that's why when you go out there and you play and you do get the minutes, you you have to be so much better than the guy who's in front of you in order to get that trust from Tibbs. People don't like that, but it, it's that's, a, that's what a coach is going to do. That's what a coach is going to do, and it makes sense. Maybe people are just like, "Yeah, you got to, you got to change, you got to change." But you know, whatever. So are we we done with the Clippers, French? Yeah, we pretty much done with the Clippers. We could just jump straight into what happened after the game. So we got our first win. We asked, "What are the chances?" Not good, like. One out of a hundred. I'd say more like one out of a million. That that is after the Clippers game, we were still like, all right, we got our first win, but you know, we still ain't we still ain't making the plans, right? Yeah. And yeah, now let's get into this whole Kendra Randall nonsense. So <clears throat> after Nina Westbrook wife of Russell Westbrook publicly tweeted in regards to fans making death threats to her family. Host of Knicks fan TV CP tweeted disgusting, or I should say he tweeted quote disgusting. As I always say, keep your comments in your arena, leave these players and their families alone. Julius Randall's wife, Kendra 
for some reason took this opportunity to try to shame CP, tweeting, quote, do you? Several <laughs> laughing emojis. A whole joke. You and everyone, you and everyone else like you creates a narrative that causes the pain that we go through. Save your BS sympathy tweet, LOL, end quote. Then they go back and forth on Twitter. CP's, the like, he's the face of the Knicks fans, if you ask me. Like, he doesn't do anything to make Knicks fans look bad. All he At does all. is... All he does is cape for the Knicks. <laughs> like, that, like, that's who you want to come at? Really? It just, it, it was a weird interaction. And Knicks Twitter seemed to take it personally. I'm, I, I didn't, I was surprised. Didn't really pay it much attention. Like, what was your reaction when you saw all that? Did you watch CP's? A recap of that of those events no you did not i watched it i watched it with our mom and our producer our also <laughs> known as our producer i watched it and he you know basically said basically what everybody knows it took him like 10 minutes to to kind of go through all of it which wasn't necessary because everybody you know, if you're a Knicks fan, you you was already on Twitter being like, yo, what are you doing? Well, not all Knicks fans are on Twitter. No, not all the Knicks fans on Twitter were just like, what are you doing? Oh, okay. And, you know, before I even really watched his recap of the offense, it, it was just kind of like another bullet point for me. It was like, this this has to be because CP must have said something that Julius Randle didn't like. And this is the after effects of that, which kind of goes like CP, like you have an issue with CP. He All he does is just call it how it is. Right. And which not, not even in a disrespectful way, which, which is why I said what I said earlier. I said earlier, I don't think he can do it on this team. I can't. I don't think he could do it in New York, because when, like, I can understand the Mark Bermans and all that stuff. All right, cool. You really have to not have your pulse on Knicks fandom, on Knicks fanship, or you have to not care. Like, you have to not care about Knicks fandom, or you can only you only have to care about the negative that's being spewed your way. And if that's how it is, in the biggest city in NBA as far as the NBA goes besides maybe the Lakers how are you going to how are you going to get over yourself to be the guy that we need you to be how are you going to do it if you if you go back and forth with CP of Knicks fan TV who like we're, we're not talking about Schwinn right <laughs> we're not talking about Schwinny Poo from the Strickland who Goes on a podcast week after week, calls dudes losers and stuff like that. Who, which, you know, nothing wrong. Who we like, which we love, Schwinn. right? I love Schwinn, right? But you, if you listen to him, this is the type of like, I would. If Kendrick Randall was talking to Schwinn, I'd be like, all right, cool, I understand. You're talking about CP who went on Max Kellerman on ESPN and was 
given Julius Randle all the praises in the world. And he said so, and, and he even said as much on his show. He was like, you know, I I, I was on ESPN. I, all I do was talk good about the Knicks. How are you why why are you coming at me? Eventually, Kendra deleted all her tweets because obviously she either didn't want to smoke with the Knicks fans, so she knew she was wrong, whatever, whatever. But the thing that the reason why I asked you if you watched it, CP admitted, yeah, Julius Randle don't don't doesn't mess with doesn't mess with me. So it's not even speculation. CP admits it, and CP knows this for a fact that Julius Randle don't don't mess with him. And I, you. Yeah, if that's the case, bro, I'm sorry. Like you already, you you had it in with Knicks fans, and you could have had a very bad season, and we would have been fine with that. But the fact that the reason why you didn't have a good season isn't because you can't hit your shot, isn't because you can't, isn't because you're you know you're just missing, is because of the lack of effort and the lack of defensive intensity and the lack of just trying to like you was out there playing like you didn't care. Like you got your money and you were good and you, you got your money. You took the Knicks to the playoffs. We're good. No, bro. That like, we don't ever support that player. We don't, we don't ever support that player. And we gave you a lot of rope and you took that rope and you hung yourself with it. I don't view it that way. Like he took the money and just stopped caring. I feel like Julius Randle definitely still cares. I did. I, I'm he not... still wants to be in New York. He still wants to play hard and win a championship. I think <laughs> something had to have happened in the beginning of the season because you don't go from extreme A to extreme B like this in one season without something happening. It ain't like last season where he was strong all season and then in the playoffs – he just went completely ice cold. Like, I just want to understand the difference with that. I, I, I phrased, in the middle of the season, yeah. Like, if you go back to how you was playing last season and you doing things that you didn't even do last season, you look like you're improved from last season in some areas. But in the beginning of the season, you just look like you have no life. You're out there just throwing things up, making stupid plays, making stupid passes. It had to be all mental, and now he's in a place where he looks like the player that we gave the contract to. I feel like something happened. And until we find out, it's only going to be speculation. So I don't want to just throw him completely to the wolves without knowing nah, just I, what I, I, was going on. I just want to point out, I phrased my sentence the way that I did because I didn't say he went out there and didn't care. I said he played like he didn't care. I said he 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 the the way that it looked, it looked like he was playing without effort because a lot of it, even now, like even with this last stretch, the last few weeks, you could see him being like, mm, I'm going to choose not to defend here. You can say that about every star player. Of course you can, but you can't, but you can't play like that while you're going through, while you're missing your shots. Right. If you're not, if you can't contribute offensively, you, that means even more so you need to make it up on the other end of the court. And instead, he played. If, if his offense was good, if his offense was good, then his defense was good. Maybe. But if his offense was bad, no effort at all on the court. And that that is what it appears to us. And maybe there is a reason behind it. But you can't. I don't care. You're the leader of this team. You are our star player. 
You cannot do that. If you're if you're trying to lead us to the playoffs, you're trying to lead us to a, a championship or whatever, I'm sorry. On, on this team that is starved for playoff success, you cannot have that player lead this team. Well, maybe he's not our star player. Maybe RJ's our star player. He's just our best player for the moment. And well, I think RJ Barrett is gonna have is going to be the better player. The yeah, so, RJ represents what a star is for a team. He does everything that you're saying. So yes, it's just a matter of him getting to the point skill wise where he can lead our team night after night and can rely on Julius Randle to just be his sidekick. Would you not want to see a role where Julius Randle figures it out as a sidekick and him and RJ can finally develop some chemistry after four years of playing together? I'm I'm done with Julius Randle. Like I I I when I said it earlier, I meant it. Like I'm I am done with him. He can play well, he can play great, he can play as better than he has all year. I at this point, I am always going to believe that that player that we saw in the first half of the season is going to return. And I could be wrong. Unless we get a point guard uh, to reel him in. I could be wrong. And if I'm wrong, then I'll eat my humble pie. But at this point, I, I'm I'm ready to move on. And it does and there's nothing he can do at least this season to change my mind. It's going to take more than it's going to take more than next season for me to change my mind on that point. The other thing that I wanted to talk about before we move on it was everything that I just said, that was my initial reaction to it. And then I wanted to kind of look at it from Kendra Randall and Julius Randall's perspective. And I kind of wanted to say something as Knicks fans and to Knicks fans who feel like you know the topic that they were talking about needs to needs to needs a little room to breathe as well, right? Because it started off with with Russell Westbrook's wife, with the family, with the death threats, and you know it's been mentioned in regards to Julius Randle, but you know Knicks fans haven't been to the Saints in, this, in regards to this as well. They, you know, we remember with the whole thing with COVID and people hoping that Julius Randle gets COVID and all that. And I, you know, an idea popped up in my head where I was saying how we need as fans to just remember. And even listening to podcasts, you know, somebody told a story and kind of etched it in my brain. We need to remember that no matter what, I don't care that these guys make millions of dollars. I don't care that we can see them on TV. I don't care that they're going to achieve much success and their children will have more success and all of that stuff way beyond anything that we ever will. At the end of the day, no matter what, these are still people and they are still subject to some of the same issues and problems that, <laughs> that the rest of us, like the rest of us are, 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 are prone to. And yeah, they might they might be able to financially solve problems in a way that's better that 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 is going to be more efficient than anything that we can do. But that doesn't mean that they're not gonna that that they don't breathe the same air that we do. That doesn't mean that they are immortal. It doesn't mean anything like that. These people still have mental health issues. These people still have to deal with all kinds of things. And the thing that kind of 
I wanted to kind of tie into it. I, I'm all of a sudden I'm blanking on his name, the director of, of Black Panther. Coogler. Ryan. Ryan Coogler. Yes. So you heard about that, right? Yeah, going to Bank of America. Ryan Coogler, for those of you who do not know, Ryan Coogler went to a Bank of America. This is the director of Black Panther. He's going to direct Black Panther 2. He also directed director of Fruitvale Station. Went to went to Bank of America to make a withdrawal. Put down a piece of paper for the bank teller asking her, requesting to withdraw $12,000. And he wanted her to do it discreetly. Wrote it all on a piece of paper. Gave her an ID. Put his bank card into the slot so that they could match the ID with the, with the bank account. Put in his bank account everything that you would normally do. The only thing that he did differently was he didn't speak. He, he just said, just look at the note. Please. And this lady then went to her manager, said that she thought he was trying to rob the bank. Her manager told her to call the police. She called the police. Police showed up, unholstered their weapon on him, handcuffed him, took him outside. And <laughs> like just a situation that you you could see happening to one of us. No, we're not going to withdraw $12,000, but without speaking, right. Without not even without speaking, like who wants to withdraw that much money in a public area? Like, like I've withdrawn money. I've withdrawn money. Like that was more than a hundred dollars. And I've, I felt uncomfortable. I, I withdrew a check like, and I felt uncomfortable because I thought somebody might hear what I was saying. So I understand it. Like, that's a lot of money. I don't want people to know. And I would like for you to do this discreetly. I don't even want to say it out loud because that's how much money I'm asking for. How this got misconstrued to, I think he's robbing the bank when he showed you an ID and and gave you his bank card. Like, and that just kind of goes to show that no matter what, the same kind of things that these people have to go through in terms of, you know, this was obviously okay. He he looks like he can't like he can't afford to have twelve thousand dollars. So obviously he's robbing the bank. It goes to kind of the systemic way that we think about things in this country. That we all, whether we're rich, poor, whatever, we may have to go through that kind of thing. So don't think that because these people are in a position that are better than you in your eyes. Right, financially, educationally, whatever, stature—you know, you know—as far as stature goes, don't think that that means that you are able to say whatever you can to them because they are people just like you. And and that is my treated like that is my sermon for the day. They at the circus and they could just throw things on stage at the animals and stuff like that because they're just there for entertainment right like, bro these are people there there's a line people. there's a line there so <clears throat> just remember that there's always there's a line there where yeah i'm that doesn't mean that i'm gonna stop talking trash about these players about what they do on the court but that is the line there 
you playing like trash on the court, I'm going to say you playing like trash. But there's a line. I'm not going to attack you. I'm not going to say that you that, that you need to die or anything like that. There's a line there that you should not cross because regardless of who they are, you can criticize. But there's a line where that criticism goes into something beyond that. And you need to remember that. Anything you want to say about that, French? Or you want to just go into the kink game? Yeah, I just... I, I I get annoyed with like annoying fans who just don't know where and they're just going too far and it's an aspect of the game that I just wish we could go without one day. But, but yeah, we could just move on to the next game in Sacramento where the Knicks looked to step slow the in- entire first half and the only player who actually couldn't be stopped was Julius Randle this game. If, <clears throat> if if I'm not mistaken, Ju- RJ was getting off to a slow start, right? Mm-hmm. Mitch got in early foul trouble, left the game after only playing a minute and 40 seconds. He sat the rest of the first, but he sat the rest of the night due to what they later said was an illness. So we we're already undermanned. It looked like Kings were going to run away early with the game. They took a double-digit lead into the first quarter. It was looking pretty scary. It was like, we just we beat the Clippers. Now we're losing to the Kings, one of the worst teams in the West. And the minute Taj Gibson came into the game, I just felt a little difference. Then the young guys came in, 20-point lead at the end of the first half, but the minute the third quarter started, the the entire like pace that the Knicks were playing at just seemed like it just went up another level. They were guarding the Kings a lot better. Deuce McBride, Emmanuel quickly cut the twenty, cut it from twenty to fifteen in the last minute before behind the jumper and some free throws. The Knicks came out in the third quarter with some newfound energy. They they can. Wait, 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 wait. Am I rereading the same thing? (laughs) (laughs) Randall couldn't miss. He gave the Knicks the first lead of the game with a pull-up three with two minutes left in the third quarter. After being down 20, the Knicks took over from that point on. It was just, it wasn't a contest. The beginning of the fourth quarter, Cam Reddish attempted a block after Deuce went and got a foul on Lindsey on a fast break. And Cam ended up falling right on his shoulder. Immediately went out, was sitting for the rest of the game. We later found out that he was going to be out for the rest of the season. And it didn't really seem to slow the Knicks down as they went on to finish the Kings off 131 to 115. And that was a really encouraging win for me personally, because after that long losing streak, to end it with a big win in L.A., and then to come and do, get a huge comeback victory in Sacramento after being down 20 and to win by, <laughs> what, 16, 16 points? 16-point win. And, and it it was really, like, it went from being, like... 36-point difference. It went from being, like, yeah, we're definitely losing this game to, okay, we're, make, we're making it a game, it's back and forth. And in the fourth quarter, like... Like these dudes just weren't missing. 
Just knocking down threes, especially Julius. Julius was knocking down, he had what, eight threes on the night? Could not miss. Could not miss. He was eight for 16. He shot 16 three-pointers and made half of them. Like, 18 for 31 from the field. Like, ah. Oh, uh, and, then, and then what I saw at the end of this game, man. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. What? What are you doing? I thought scoring. I thought I was done. I thought I was ready for the tank. I thought I was Julius. ready. Julius, he had his night. He had his night. He, I'm trying to tell you, he scored 17 of his career high, 46 in the third quarter. Oh man, like, and, and you know, I, I, it's a bonus, like. You, you know, anytime you see it's a bonus, he's trying to go ham. And he did, today he was really trying to go ham. Cam Reddish. So th- he was only treated like him. <laughs> <laughs> Ate his ass up. Ate his ass up. So I, we found this out kind of a couple days ago, but Cam Reddish, that injury, he is out for the remainder of the season. It's going to be a six week pro- six week process due to a separated right shoulder. And the Knicks plan for him is to just rehab until the offseason because it, it's not going to require any surgery. So he's just going to have to go through some rehab procedures, therapy. And for me personally, I don't feel like this is the worst news because it avoids a conflict in the rotation. And it gives the front office some time to consider the best pathway forward to create space 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 for cam i don't know what's going on to have a solidified role in the offense moving forward Mm -hmm. or in a rotation i should say moving forward this also gave cam a chance to get incorporated with his new teammates he had he got a few weeks to play with them get develop some chemistry with rj again develop some chemistry with quickly ob develop friendships already, it seems like. In the offseason now, he's going to be a little more acclimated with Tibbs' playbook. Coming back next year, he should know the the plays. He should know how to play with his new teammates. And there should be room for him in the offense, I mean, in the, in the rotation moving forward. So I think this just... Uh, it's unfortunate because he's injured and we don't get to see him anymore. But we knew once Derrick Rose came back, once Obi came back, it's going to be hard to see consistent 20-plus minutes from Cam Reddish. And that's what you really want to see from a guy who's a dynamics player as as he is. And I'm just excited to see how he's going to look next season because... Next season is going to say a lot about where this team's future is going, I feel like. I I, I can't even think ahead to next season because just, just with the rotation questions we have now, how do, how do you resolve that? Like, Well, somebody's going to get traded for sure. Yeah, but are we trading guys to clear up room for the young guys or are we trading guys to get better pieces and that's really trading guys because the pieces that we have now aren't good enough 
to do much in the East. Yes. But what I'm trying to, what I'm asking you is basically, are we trading Evan Fournier and Alec Burks or are we trading one of them in conjunction with a couple of the younger pieces so that we can get somebody to be our starting point guard or our starting two guard or our starting center? You know what I mean? Like that, like these are the questions that that have to be answered because yeah, maybe we clear up room for Cam. Maybe we include Cam in a trade package. Maybe, you know, because maybe you have to choose between Quentin Grimes and Cam Reddish. I don't want to. I would love I would love to have them both on this team next season, but it all depends on what the options are out there. I don't think that I think that if you have to make that choice between getting rid of all the vets and making a package for somebody who's really good. I I'm torn, but I think I lean more towards making a package for somebody who's going to help us be really good. Like I really like the thought of a Emmanuel quickly, RJ Barrett, Cam Reddish, Obi Toppin, Mitchell Robinson lineup. But are we going to see that? I highly doubt that because, and is that going to make us a championship contender? No, it's not. So it's a lot of questions and a lot of eyes on the front office. And as far as what they're going to do in the off season, I also got to wonder, you think maybe that Kendra man, Randall mess had something to do with Randall's career night, <laughs> even though you could say, yeah, no, it's just because the bonus was on the court. <laughs> okay. Combination of things. <laughs> could both be true. <laughs> Yeah, but Emmanuel quickly he had his best scoring night since the Toronto game, and I felt like that was encouraging to see because he's had a lot of games where he just looked like he's thinking rather than playing the game, mm-hmm. and he's trying to be a point guard. He's still trying to find his in the midst of the game of trying to be a point guard, and that seemed to be slowing him down dramatically because his shooting percentages this year took a huge dip. But tonight, or not tonight, but that the, the night that we just played, he finished the night with 27 points, six rebounds, four assists, another strong rebounding night, another 20-point scoring night, 25-plus scoring night. And he just, like, watching him in within these few games that we just discussed versus the entire beginning of this season, I saw a, a just huge difference in his confidence Mm -hmm. and his shot selection and the patience that he's taking before taking a shot now rather than he's open oh let me shoot it like he he that he did a lot of that this season because he he knows that the Knicks want us to shoot more threes so he's gonna just get him up he knows he's a good shooter but it don't seem like he really believes that his shot is gonna fall now it seems like he's expecting it to fall the minute it leaves his hand and I'm really excited to see like now that he's developed his confidence again, where that takes him as a player, because he had a few drives to the paint where he's just taking contact and he, he just looks strong. Mm-hmm. Like Who I'm not sure. Was it this game? He took He, he went and drove, got an and one, got up and just shrugged it off. Looked at him and then went back to the free throw line. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was. 
it was either this game or the Clippers game. But yeah, it, but I remember that, and I was just like, yeah, I, I'm I'm in. I'm in on Cam Reddish. Yeah, I'm in yeah, on Cam. Cam Reddish. is. I mean, no, not Cam. Quickly, quickly. I'm sorry. I'm in on Emmanuel quickly. <laughs> I'm in on Emmanuel quickly. He, yeah. he is just feeling it, feeling it. He, a couple times already, he's knocked down threes. Looked at his watch, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, it, yeah, I'm in. I'm in on him. I, I know I did a Freudian slip and say Cam Reddish because I'm in on both of them. Yeah. I, I also wanted to remind you because we we kind of skipped over it, but the Knicks defense, man. That Knicks mm-hmm. D. Second half alone, Knicks defense led to 18 of their total 24 fast break points. That is how the Knicks are going to win if they're going to do what they need to do to get to the play-ins. Well, that's what you got to do to a team that's young, struggling, just Uh-oh. got traded and put together. And... It's going to be loud. Yeah, somebody's setting the house on fire. <laughs> Sorry about that. So, yeah, it's cool. So, in the second half, it just seemed like anytime the Kings got the ball and didn't score, it ended with the Knicks getting a steal. A stop. Or, like, it, it just always seemed to be resulting in a fast break and most of the time on a fast break it resulted in a foul or a bucket or if not both so that was just really encouraging to see rj's pushing the pace julius is pushing the pace quickly's pushing the pace mm-hmm. we're looking like a much more up-tempo fast team we're still playing defense even after makes we're still pushing the ball and getting good shots in transition so yep yep i'm really i, I really do want to see what this team looks like healthy with Derrick Rose, man. Cause it just seems like we figured it out. What do you think that, what do you think our best lineup is for the rest of the season? Assuming that, assuming Derrick Rose and Quentin Grimes health. I forgot about Quentin Grimes. (laughs) How did I forget about Grimes? Cause when Grimes comes back, that's one of the rosters. That's one of the because ro- it wasn't just Obi Toppin, right? Uh, I forgot to mention Obi Toppin's health too. It's not just Obi Toppin. Quentin Grimes is out. Derrick Rose is out. Like I'm, I'm pretty much done with Nerlens Noel. He can go. Jer- Jer- give Jericho Sims and Taj Gibson his minutes. But yeah, what do you think? What do you? This team is is deep, bro. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Grimes is the starter next year. Really? Honestly, honestly, I could see him being a starting shooting guard. But to end this season, what do you think our best lineup is? <clears throat> this season is done for. Like, we could talk about lineups. My The, the lineups that we most want to see are obviously going to be the young players mixed with a few of the starters. I want to see IQ out there with Deuce, RJ, Grimes, OB, playing the five. I want to see minutes stretched like that because I feel like that's a really fast up-tempo team who's going to be good in transition. They're going to be small, but they're going to be fast Mm -hmm. and they're going to be able to spread the floor. I want to see more Jericho Sims. 
It's it's just I, I, I <laughs> it's more about what I don't want to see. I don't want to see more Evan Fournier. I don't want to see more Alec Burks. I, 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 I'm fine with seeing more Julius Randle if he's going to continue improving. I I agree with you on all that, but let me just note: Evan Fournier been balling. He's been balling, not defensively, but he's been knocking down. That's the, he been knocking down. That's what even takes away the the happiness for me. Well, his, his, defense. He's been knocking down shots like it's you ex you expect his shots to go in right now, and I don't understand why I'm still seeing people complain because for two or three straight games now, two or three straight games, Evan Fournier has not seen the fourth quarter. So, you know, I mean, yeah, we're still seeing Alec Burks. People are now complaining about Taj Gibson seeing minutes, getting more minutes than Jericho Sims, but. Whatever. Taj has just been better for us. Like, in the minutes that Taj is out there, I'd never... I love Taj. Why? What is he doing out there? Like, like, what? what? He's shooting bad. Like, Taj is going to be out there doing what he's supposed to do in the minutes that... Like, you saw Jericho Sims. We're going to speak about it later in the Memphis game. He had to play in the fourth quarter in crunch time. And even though it's not the best situation because he didn't have a bunch of minutes, but you saw how that turned out. Right. But... We'll we'll speak on that later because no. I'm getting a little too ahead of myself. Let's let's get let's get to but Dallas. The, the lineups is just going to be the young guys. We want to see the young guys moving forward. That's all. Yeah, let's 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 get to Dallas before we get to that Memphis game. We do, I, listen. I and before I say that, definitely agree with you. I want to see the young guys, but I I am perfectly fine with how Tibbs is handling it. Let them earn their minutes. Let them don't just give it to them. Let them earn their minutes. Tell them this is what you're doing wrong. This is what you're doing good so that you can play more. And then when they come out and they're a better player than the guy who's in, in front of them, not not based on what they can do, but because of what they are doing. They are doing. Yeah. They're going to get those minutes. So, all right. I, this is going to be real quick. <laughs> Knicks go to Dallas, completely dominate from start to finish. Molly Wap. Molly Wap. Kick thick. Julius Randle started off slow. RJ was able to hold the fort down for the opening minutes of the game while the Knicks blitzed the Mavericks early. Mavericks. The Dallas Mavericks, however, could not buy to the worst start possible. A three point, could not buy a three point basket at all. Super slow. Like the Knicks started slow. Mavericks were super slow. Couldn't stop Mitch. Started the game 0 for 19 from three. Even Jericho Sims came out and looked great because. Dallas is just too small. Too, they can't handle our bigs. Yeah. Tough to say much about a game where one team, just, one team just absolutely dominated the other. We didn't even have that blown lead scare in this one. We kind of had something like, oh, okay. Is that, is, when Lucas started knocking down shots in the third, and then they, yeah. the bench came in and was just like, no, this is not a game. This, this is over. Yeah. Never in doubt. Knicks win 107-77. I was out. <sighs> Pull me back. In. What the hell? Knicks are just a tough team to beat when Julius, RJ, and Mitch are all playing well. Like, undermanned, no Cam, still no D Rose, still no Quentin Grimes, still no Obi Toppin. Why a wide victory over the Mavericks, who were on a five game winning streak coming into the game? Yep. Mavs' only positive quarter came with Luka was on that hot stretch. Outside of that, completely outclassed. Once he sat down, Knicks went back to dominating. Yep. That Luca only was really getting off against Taj Gibson, and even Taj Gibson was giving him some fits at times. 
the bench didn't really have it this game. We only saw what uh nine points. Oh, actually, we actually saw a, a solid game from quickly. It just wasn't a great scoring game. He had nine points, six rebounds, another strong rebounding game, six assists. He played 31 minutes, was a plus 28, highest on the team. RJ finished the night with 18.7 rebounds, four assists. Julius had 26, seven, and eight. Like this was a pretty much a wire-to-wire blowout win outside of a, a stretch where Luka went crazy and I think cut the lead to, what, 14 points? Mm-hmm. Something like that. And then it's the minute he sat down, it was literally all I saw Luka. Mm-hmm. He didn't get anyone else involved because nobody else can make a shot. He was out there by himself. And the minute he sat down, we just put our foot right back on their throat, went, put the lead back up 20. Fourth quarter, we up 30. And we just never looked back. So this is just a fun win to just watch as no, wait. future Nick Luka Doncic gets dominated. So like by the one team that has never lost in Dallas mm-hmm. since he's been drafted, the New York. So Knicks. let me let me count here. So we beat the Clippers. We beat the Kings. <laughs> we beat the Kings. And then we blew out the Mavericks. So that's a three game, that's a three game win streak. It's a three-game smoker right there. Thought I was out. Pull me back in. Three game, mind you, Dallas was on a five-game winning streak before we came into town and whooped their ass. But this was easily the best defensive game of the season to me for the Knicks. Seventy-seven the, points. The Mavericks at home to 70, 70, to seventy-seven points at home. I don't, I don't. There's not much really to say. Like everybody played well, like nothing, nothing, nothing really. Like uh, you know what I mean. We went, went to Dallas, smoked them. It, it, you might have thought that they still had Chris Stapps on the team. The way that we that we ate they uh, ate them up. Yeah, let, yeah. Let, let's just move on to Memphis. <laughs> Straight into Memphis on the three game hot streak. RJ started the first quarter pretty slowly. Knicks took took an early lead over the Grizzlies behind Julius shots going down and Mitch's Mitch cleaning up all the misses. Grizzlies eventually took command while the bench units were on the floor because Grizzlies is just a a, a deep team, tough team. Julius didn't seem to mesh well with the mixed bench starter unit. RJ was finding his offensive rhythm later on in the second quarter. Was part of a ten to two run that cut the lead back down to five. 60 to 61 to 55 at the halftime was a score. And coming out the half, the Knicks blitzed Memphis and went on a huge run, put them ahead by as much as 15 points. And then we thinking like, oh my God, we're about to be on a four four game winning streak against Memphis at home. <laughs> we we we're coming to Memphis and we're gonna beat the hot Memphis Grizzlies with the MVP John Morant. Or the MVP runner-up, I should say. Mm. John Morant. And then <laughs> the Memphis Grizzlies just came and... They proved why they were one of the best teams in the West. That. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty much John Morant showing exactly what the value of a superstar player is and what it means to have a superstar player on your team who's just going to will your team back to a win in a situation where the other team just doesn't have a point guard. The bigs were in foul trouble. 
the minute Jericho Sims had to come in because uh, Taj Gibson fouled out in the fourth quarter, like I was dwelling on earlier, John Morant just attacked him every single time until Tibbs had to put Mitch back in the game. And then when Mitch came back in the game, <clears throat> it didn't really change much, even though Steven Adams was out because Jaron Jackson had a huge game against us and completely intimidated every Nick that was driving into the paint. He, he, he blocked Julius Randle. He was blocking RJ. Made Mitch uncomfortable down there. Like he was good. Jaron Jackson and John Morant literally just stepped on the Knicks' throat in the fourth quarter, and it it just made it very hard for us to keep up with their intensity. And they ended up pulling this win out, one eighteen to one fourteen. I just want to say, and we're gonna to transition to this transition this to one of the topics of the week which is what is behind the Knicks turnaround <clears throat> that 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 fourth quarter in particular was very disheartening because as much as it was about Memphis being good it was also about Knicks going away from what worked for them and I don't know if you got that too, French, like when you were watching it. But that for me, it was just like you guys played so well when you were pushing the pace, getting, you know, rotating defensively, moving the ball, like forcing Memphis to work. And you guys just took that lead for granted. And even when it was close at the end, you guys were still playing like we're going to pull this out. I don't know if it was the, you guys got three-game win streak and thought, okay, now we're good enough to slow it down and all. But that's not – obviously, that doesn't work for you. It wasn't working for you before your three-game win streak. It ain't going to work now. I I got really upset seeing Alec Burks walk the ball up the court. I got really upset watching a lot of these guys go one-on-one. R.J. Barrett was one of them. Julius was another one. Like, the only time that they did something really well was when Julius, like, followed up an R.J. Barrett miss and, and, and cleaned up the glass and did a putback. But outside of that, they they did exactly what Memphis wanted them to do. And it cost them the game. So, <clears throat> Memphis is just on another level talent-wise, too. It's just... Me, I, I, I genuinely just believe the endless amount of lottery picks on the Memphis Grizzlies who could just come in and Brandon Clark, the guy that <clears throat> appears to be like the sixth guy on the team, can just take a dead play from, oh, they're going to have to throw up a, a heave three to, oh, my God, how he had the rim already dunking a ball. Hmm. It's just like. We don't have the level of talent to compete with a, a Memphis Grizzlies team who's well-coached and has a, a, a superstar leader who's just going to be a, a superstar for so many years to come. I don't really put this much on the Knicks as I put on Memphis just being a really good team. That <clears throat> I was just happy that we were so close in the end because... I thought this was going to be a blowout, honestly. 
I'm saying in hindsight, but at, at the moment, I was really upset about when that. I came, when we came into this game, we probably mm-hmm. all were like, all right, this team might be just too good for us to beat. But the entire, like, up until the up until the end, I was like, yo, we're actually not, we're not playing like we're not in their league. We can win. Like, even when we were down, because we did go down in this game. Before the end, I was like, "We can come back. Like, we're not playing. We're we're not playing like that bad. Like, you know, we can come back." And then we did, and then we took the lead. And it was like, "Yo, we're we're probably going to win." And really, when you're up like that, yeah, Memphis is the better team. Yeah, we should expect them to do what they did. But I also kind of am like, yo, if you guys play the way that you did the last three games, you win this game. Like, it doesn't matter what John Moran is doing. We we played Dallas. Dallas is a good team, too. They're fifth in the West. We played the Clippers. They're not as good as Memphis, though. They're not as No, none of the teams we played are as good as what Memphis. Clippers, not as good as Memphis either. Right? Kings are bad, so we're supposed to beat them. But... Like those, like those two teams were, were good teams. They're above five hundred. They have a way better record than the Knicks. They have players like I don't know if you, I don't know if this is going out on a limb saying Luka Doncic is better than anybody that the Knicks have, right? Like but that's it. That's where it stops. <laughs> Everybody else, <laughs> Knicks have better players. I mean, they have a point guard, right? When we don't, unless you. Unless you want to say Jalen Brunson is better is not better than Emmanuel quickly, like, and I didn't even we didn't even talk about this, but Reggie Bullock for a former Nick, Reggie Bullock was playing like he still had a he had a Knicks uniform underneath that Dallas move uniform. He did not could not hit a single thing on the court, right? True New York Nick right but, there. That's what I like. But Reggie Bullock don't play that bad normally. Like they have they have guys in that team, Dallas does. I Yeah. We 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 can beat teams. We can beat well and in, I I I can go back to last week. We played Philly pretty pretty close, right? For 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 both of those games. We played the Phoenix Suns. We should have won against the Phoenix Suns. Granted they're missing Chris Paul and, and Devin Booker, but they're still number 1 in the West. Like they they have talent on that team. But Mitch outplayed DeAndre Ayton. Like this team, this Knicks team is their record does not indicate how well they can play. So uh, I went into all that to kind of I said we're going to transition to the top one of the topics of the week, which is what is behind the Knicks turnaround, right? How did the Knicks get to three wins in a row, potentially four, right? How how do they got how did they get me to feel like thought I was out. Back How did they get me to feel like that? Right. One, RJ and Randall finding a way to both play well together, not shoot well together, <laughs> but play well together. Both of them have been scoring, have been averaging 20 points a game, you know, over the past week or so. And I, that's never happened. Like, like they may have one or two games where they both score double digits. Uh, I'm sorry, not double digits, over 20 points in a game over the last two years they've played together. 
But outside of that, it's never been consistent. And now it is. And surprise, surprise, it's leading to Knicks wins. RJ and Mitch bringing out the best in each other. That this has also been key, right? Mitch has been playing well too. Just the, this is the, even when Randall wasn't didn't score, he scored 20, ten points the other game. The fact that Mitch dominated with RJ, you know, getting to the rim, getting to the basket, and Mitch was there to clean up his mess. That was a recipe that a lot of teams just have nothing for. Even the Memphis Grizzlies had nothing for it when RJ was was getting to the basket and missing and. Mitch was cleaning up. There's nothing that you can do because you either have to bring your your big out to kind of black block RJ Barrett, otherwise he's going to finish the way that he did a bunch of times last night. He finished. He got to the basket. He finished around the rim. They they said, "All right, big, you got to help on RJ." That opened it up for Mitch. That is that is a recipe to their success. The last thing that I've noticed is a commitment to playing faster. Every time the Knicks play fast and commit to playing fast and to running in transition, we talked about it earlier. In the second half against the the Kings, they committed. They played defense. They scored transition buckets. They had 18 transition buckets in, in, in the second half, I believe, in that game. And they easily won that game. Why, why would you go away from any of those? Well, the first thing maybe you can't really control with RJ and Randall, it depends on their shot making. Well, why would you go away from RJ and Mitch, like RJ trying to run plays to where Mitch is possibly going to be able to clean up his misses, the pick and roll, doing pick and roll and, and, and getting the big to try to come out on RJ so Mitch can get the easy basket. Why would you go away from running, running and gunning? Why would you go away from transition baskets? Why would you go away from just trying to force turnovers? You you go away from it, you're gonna lose because you can't play you can't play any other way effectively. What do you what do you is there anything you feel like I missed as far as what is behind the Knicks turnaround to the season to not to the season over the last week? Not really. It's just more of a reminder why we don't fire a coach halfway through a season because clearly. Tibbs wasn't the issue with this season, I don't feel like. Because now you're seeing the players play the way that Tibbs wants them to play. And it's resulting in much, much, much better basketball to watch. So only thing we need are better players, I believe, for this team to become an elite team. Because the way that we play is so fun to watch. It's so, it's got to be fun to play that brand of basketball. And the way that we're seeing our young talent develop is probably the one thing that you probably didn't um, speak on. Right, because, the young talent. Yeah, because IQ, right, IQ is starting to have, he's starting to figure out how he can be useful for the long term of his career. I see him taking steps forward. RJ's taking steps forward. Mitch is taking steps forward. Like our young guys are aren't just showing potential. They're showing progress. Like if they continue to grow at this rate, 
Yeah, it was a bad start to the season, but if one, if you if you develop all these good habits now, you learn from these losses now, then it only gives you nothing but more confidence in the future because now you know how to beat any team in the NBA as long as you know how to compete and play defense at the level that Tibbs is expecting. So I'm looking forward to just seeing how we finish this season because if we get Grimes back, Derrick Rose back, Obi back, and we get to see Grimes with Derrick Rose more and they develop the same type of chemistry that we saw off the bench in this last stretch and the and last season with Derrick Rose, I think that's going to be a formula for success moving forward. All right. So I, you know, you already know what I'm about to title this episode. What you taking? I mean, so I, I, I was. I'm gonna name this episode the pullback if you you know because when i thought i was out they pull me back in when i thought i was out they pull me back in that is where i was at for the majority of this week episode's going to be called the pullback <laughs> thought I was out, right? Why? What is that in reference to? Well, this this part of the topic of the week is going to be called tank or treat because now is the time where we have to kind of commit one way or another. We got what? 17 games left? 15. 15 games left. 15 games left in the season for the Knicks. So, tank or treat? Should we tank? Or the treat being should we try to go for the play-ins? I'm going to start off with the treat. Knicks are currently four and a half games behind the Hawks and the Hornets, which with 15 games left in the season is a lot. But they're also behind Washington by two games. They play the Hornets twice, the Wizards twice, and the Hawks once in the next four weeks. If they win all of those games, they're going to be a lot closer to that play-in position than not. So... This also kind of depends on the other teams. All four teams have a similar strength of schedule odds, except for Charlotte. Atlanta has the easiest schedule. Knicks have the second easiest schedule. Washington has the third easiest. And Charlotte has the hardest. Would you like to hear what the percentages are for strength of schedule for those teams, French? Talk to me. So... For reference, the Lakers have the hardest, have the most difficult strength of schedule. They, let me, hold on, let me, re, let me reread this. Teams remaining games calculates the combined winning percentage for all those appointments. A high strength of schedule is good for tanking. So, the Lakers' strength of, sex, strength of schedule is 56%. Portland's strength of schedule is 39%. Portland only has 
three tough games, one against the Nets, one against Dallas, one against the Utah Jazz, and they've got a bunch against the the worst teams in the league, the Rockets, the Pistons, OKC, Pacers, Spurs. Like So Atlanta has the second easiest strength of schedule with 45%. The next team out of the ones that I listed is the Knicks. They have 48% with 15 games left. Atlanta has 16 games left, right? Washington, 49%. And then 49.2%. And then Charlotte is 49.7. So outside of Atlanta, very very similar strength of schedule between Washington Charlotte and New York, but New York has the easiest out of all of them. Besides Atlanta, which so that's absolutely nothing for us as Knicks fans means absolutely nothing. But if somehow we tie with Atlanta and we beat Atlanta in that final game, we'll have the head to head matchup, right? If we win the rest of those games. Atlanta and Charlotte have the same, have percentage-wise the same record right now in the standings. So, something else to look at. If we beat, if we beat all these teams, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna own the head-to-head. The all of these things play in, right? So, basically, so you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> There's possibly a chance that the Knicks yeah. could do it if they win a lot and don't do what they did yesterday <laughs> against John Morant and, and the Grizzlies. Right? They got. They can't. They can't leave games on the table. Now, as I just indicated, Knicks lost a winnable game to the Grizzlies on the same night that Atlanta and Charlotte both won. The two teams that are currently in the playoff picture. And only Charlotte has less games to play than the Knicks, which means this is kind of out of the Knicks' hands. Like, they kind of have to win significantly more than everybody else does. Significantly. So, like, if if the Knicks had more games to play than the rest of the teams, then that's another team, that's another win that they could add on to get closer to those teams. They don't really have that kind of potential there so french tanker street which one tank <laughs> you're, you're... i would go treat it to, to just see the young guys and how they would perform in the playoffs if we were to make it or in a play-in and have an opportunity like i i, I don't genuinely believe tank i would rather much see <clears throat> these young guys playing against the top talent in the East and get, gaining experience from playing these guys rather than just watching them on TV in a playoff. So I would rather see um, Treat. But do I think it's likely? I don't. I don't. I think we're going to miss out on a play-in and end up with a top 10 draft pick. 
So if I if I'm reading Thibodeau correctly, I think that when he gives up on this season, if he gives up on the season, that means more time for the kids, which may lead to more wins. And if he's not giving up on the season, that means more time for Taj Gibson, Evan Fournier, Alec Burks, which depending on what the Knicks do on the court, maybe we'll win, maybe we'll lose. So organizationally, I would like to see Thibodeau try to tank with the hope that we win games. <laughs> organizationally, I would like to see that. There's a lot of people out there who want to see the Knicks just lose so that we can get a higher draft pick, whatever, whatever. I say just let whatever happens, happens. If the Knicks can possibly get into the play-in, I don't think that that's a bad thing for them to try to do, especially with how they've played over the past couple of weeks. You never know. You never know. They could they could maybe get that 10 spot, play against the 8 seed. Shoot. They play the Nets tomorrow. Like, if the Nets somehow continue to fall off a cliff, which I don't expect them to do with how KD is playing, maybe you catch the Nets at the 8 spot. But I don't see that happening. That that requires a, a help. That I haven't. Even, I didn't even bring it up. But in that case, if the Knicks could could do that, if they were to win out, right, and did and do that, then you have a chance to get to the seventh seed in the playoffs. I thought about all that stuff, and I was just like, the fact that I was even thinking about it, I was just like, really, <laughs> like, I was so out. I was so ready for to just tank. And just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in, back in, pulled me back in, man. All right, let's, let's go off to predictions. So yeah, it was a solo pod last week. We're going to base this off of the episode before where I won with my 0-3 prediction because we definitely did not win a single game. You have any problems with that, French? Because I didn't talk to you about this before we did it. It was, it was close. We almost won the Phoenix game, so I don't think this is right. But <laughs> almost against me. Almost does not count, sir. Almost <laughs> does not count, right? I, and trust me, when we were watching that game, I was like, yo, are we about to win against Phoenix and then give French the, the one and two? I would have been happy and I would have been happy, you know, but you didn't win. And then you didn't, you didn't hit me up to tell me what your predictions were for this week. So, you know, uh, not, not now. I mean, like, what were you thinking? I felt like I pretty much would have called it the way that it went. You you were going to go three up. I did call Clippers. I did call Sacramento in my mind. I I didn't call it on the pod, but I'm saying like beforehand, I'm like, oh yeah, we're going to win. Sacramento. What game am I missing? Dallas. Dallas and Memphis. Dallas. Yeah, I was going to call 3-0. 3-1? 3-1, sorry. I didn't think we would beat Memphis. But you probably would have guessed 3-1-2. I actually made my prediction and I was very off. I went 1-3. Words, yeah, yeah. I thought that they were going to get a win, and then they were going to get happy that they got their win, and then they would lose the same way that they have lost over the past couple of weeks. Which, you know, basically is what happened against 
against the Grizzlies. Just it didn't happen in any any other game. I thought they were going to win one of. I thought they were going to win against the Kings. And you know they would be happy that they got the win, but then they would go back to playing stupid. So yeah, I, upcoming I games. You my my thing, so I could have gone first. This yeah, you should have. You would have gone first if you did, bro. I would have announced it, and I've been like, all right, you you know, but didn't. I had a, I had half a mind to actually ask you before I before the game, the Clippers game too, and I said, no, nah, I'm I got enough to do. Upcoming games: Knicks play Brooklyn tomorrow at one o'clock. Portland on Wednesday, and then Washington Friday. And I predict that the Knicks will go two and one during this stretch. What say you, French? Brooklyn, Portland, and Washington. One and two. One and two. I say we... Who is the one? We lose to Brooklyn. We lose to Washington. Washington? Really? No, the one is Portland. The win is Portland. Yeah, I know. I'm saying you think that we're going to lose to Washington. That's why I said really. If I didn't go two and one, where would you have gone? (laughs) I would have gone two and one. You don't think that there's a chance that the Knicks beat Brooklyn? I'm surprised. I thought you would have gone three and oh. I would have, but KD's back. I'm not bad so? against KD. I'm not bad. It's just KD, bro. It's just KD. Just just KD is and he's good. just enough to beat the Knicks. It depends on how the Knicks play too, though. Like I, I do KD think could that drop sixty. He could. He could. But who on the Knicks is gonna stop him from dropping sixty? Okay, but RJ and, and Julius could score sixty two. Right? Like No, they can't. They already have <laughs> the same game where Julius wait. dropped. What's up? Wait, 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 like, wait. like combined, I'm ben talking Simmons about. Ben not... Simmons is Ben Simmons is not coming back. He ain't back yet. Soon, right? He uh, we don't. I would I be surprised if Ben Simmons shows up tomorrow at one o'clock. I would not be surprised. But I'm going to make my prediction based on the fact that he's not coming back. I still think that the Knicks are going to lose against the Nets, but. That's I make that prediction basically assuming actually that Ben Simmons is going to play because that's what all players want to play against the Knicks and show out against the Knicks. Like they they kind of hurt. I eh, need to get back in basketball shape. Oh, we playing the Knicks. I'm ready. That's how it goes. So that's why I said two and one. Otherwise, I'd probably said three and zero oh because I I do think that this Knicks team when they have their head right they can they they can make a, a tough matchup for any team in this league. They just haven't shown it at all this season. After we lost at home to Brooklyn to Cam Thomas and Lamarcus Aldridge, yeah, but that was during that I'm not that going stretch. To say, I don't care when it was. I'm not going to say, oh, just because they got KD, I feel like we can still take them. We lost to them with no KD, no Kyrie, no Ben Simmons, no nada. But we should have won. Cause it should have won, man. We should have won. I don't want to hear. We should've. we were that type we were, of game. I don't want to hear should have. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want to hear should have either. I'm just I'm just saying that to Phoenix. say, yeah. And I'm but I'm saying that to say that the Knicks are capable. The Knicks are capable of blowing this team out without KD. So the fact that KD is playing, it doesn't mean that they're definitely going to lose to me. So I, here I here I am arguing against my two one pick. 
but I basically did it because I thought it was the safest pick and because I didn't think you were going to go three, you were going to go three Oh and sure enough, you didn't. So, mm-hmm. so uh, if I think Memphis, they would have gone three Oh, they beat Memphis. I'm saying three Oh, <laughs> they, and they should have beat Memphis. They should have been beat Memphis too. And I think that if they look back at that tape and look back at why they lost that game and they apply that to this Nets game at one o'clock tomorrow, they can beat Brooklyn in my opinion, but we'll see. We'll see what we'll see what happens. If they if the Knicks go three and zero this week, yeah, I'm I'm off the tank like 100 percent off the tank. I'm I'm hoping for a play in because that'll be six games out of the last seven if they if they if they do that. Man, and, bring back D Rose already, man. Bring him back. Yeah, I, I, oh yeah, we didn't even talk about D Rose. That they're just waiting for him to fully heal at this point. At this point, we also didn't say like we. we Cam Reddish is not going to need surgery. Did we say that? Cam Reddish is not yeah, going to need surgery. It. So that so that so that's good too as far as that goes. OB was a game time decision against against Memphis. So he should be back soon. I haven't seen probably any updates tomorrow. on Quentin Grimes. Hmm? No. I said probably tomorrow you'll probably pay tomorrow. Excuse me. If he's a game time decision. Last yeah. So, so we'll we'll see. We need we need OB. We definitely need OB. You definitely need Grimes back. You definitely need D Rose. I need to see less minutes from Burks and Fournier, but whatever, man. You got anything you want to plug, French? I don't got nothing I want to plug. We were gonna we were gonna do recommendations, but because we we're going so long, we'll just do that next next week. Yeah, we'll have some next week for y'all. Nothing to plug. Good to be back. We lost to Philly twice, and then I ended up driving to Philly, made it even worse. And then <laughs> I ended up watching that Phoenix game the first night in Philly. As soon as he came, uh, Johnson hit that shot. I just turned my phone over and went to sleep. That's uh, bad. I don't know why I'm bringing that up. Yeah, I don't, but... <laughs> because you weren't here for the last pod, so you wanted to make yeah. your presence felt, I guess. Want to let y'all know I still love y'all. I ain't going to be missing episodes like that. Um, but next week we'll have some recommendations for y'all. I might miss next week just because you took a day off. <laughs> let you solo, let you solo pod for once. Now, it might be fun. Yeah, whatever. I'll help. I'll, I'll walk you through it. Anyway, <laughs> we'll let y'all know if that happens. All right, um, y'all. Our producer, our producer is going three and zero for the predictions. By the way. Oh yeah, I just saw that too. She's going three zero. Very good, ma. <laughs> one of us got to be super positive yeah so all right y'all once again we appreciate y'all we love y'all make sure y'all like y'all. make sure y'all subscribe make sure you do all that give us some comments some commentary we appreciate and you know want to hear any advice and all the advice you guys have thank you guys for listening to Peace out, y'all. That intro music was Broadway Boo by Gotti B, formerly known as Bugatti Blade. You can find us on Twitter at The Knicks Take. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Thank you for listening.